You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative. And with me to help me assemble the Avengers... John Mills. Indeed, and this time I would say that uh, I have the most stylish outfit uh, since the entire uh, journey began by this point. Really? I finally got okay. a cape. I finally oh, got a well, cape. Well, that's true. That's and, true. Uh, you know, we all know that capes are pretty cool. This is, our, this is, wow, is this our first superhero in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with a cape that we've encountered up to this point? It is. It absolutely is. Wow. Yeah. Good. Now, that's of course yeah. discounting all you know. Magneto doesn't count because he's not in the MCU. Like all don't right exactly. Don't don't try to well actually us on this. This is our first MCU MCU character with a cape. That's how about it's that? Absolutely true. And there are a lot of capes in this movie because everybody has a cape for the most part. I mean, one one Loki could, has a cape. Yes, one, Odin one, has a cape. <laughs> it's like, a it's a cornucopia of capes. Indeed. Mm, well. I don't know if that makes this a good movie. We're going to talk about it as we dive into Thor this week. And so, you know, just wanted to say thank you for joining us here with Assembling Avengers. We're having a great time walking through the MCU so far. And, um, of course, yes, we have reached the God of Thunder uh, here. Uh, although I don't know why he's called that since he's really the God of Lightning because he doesn't bring the thunder. He just brings the lightning. Um, but that's that. I I mean, I, I don't I don't really... Can you have the thunder without the lightning, John? Is that a question we should ask? Uh, well, you know, I mean, according to Fleetwood Mac, thunder only happens when it's raining, which I know is untrue. But um, thunder is the sound of lightning. Therefore, bringing the lightning, you are bringing the thunder. Because when you hear rumbles okay. of thunder, that's actually go. lightning. All right. Well, I'll take it. Uh, so we'll... Thank you again for joining us. Of course, you know, just make sure you're subscribed to the 602 Club and you'll be getting the Assembling Avengers. Um, and, you know, hey, if you're liking the show, give us a star rating review and Apple Podcasts, help people find the show. Uh, follow us uh, and interact with us over there on Twitter at the 602 Club. And we're on Instagram. You can follow us there as well at the 602 Club TFM. Uh, you can join the listeners only discussion group on Facebook called the Babel Conference. Just search for that and you can talk to listeners from all over the world um you know we we have so many different shows happen here on tfm and of course you could find us at trek.fm uh, online and uh you know if you like our shows and you want to make sure that they keep coming to you and we definitely need your help you can go to patreon at patreon.com slash trek fm and and become part of the team and keep all of the quality content we've got coming for you we want to bring you more uh, but we've got to have the money to do it so again that's patreon.com slash trek fm so uh, John, before you know, we even get into like what our first experiences or anything. There's some interesting behind the scenes stuff with this movie, and it's a movie that honestly they wanted to make uh, the Marvel wanted to make for a while. Um, mm -hmm. You know, obviously Marvel's rights bounced kind of back and forth between different studios and everything because you know they didn't just 
they didn't have a studio at the at the beginning, as everybody knows. Uh, and so they were selling, you know, different properties to different studios to be able to make movies out of to make money, basically, because that's what they needed at the time. And um, the closest they got really before making this movie, there were a couple of directors that they were really interested in. They had a script for especially. Um, and the first one was, which I, it's Matthew Vaughn, with this script, and the idea of the script is it's the story of an Old Testament God who becomes a New Testament God. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, that sounds fascinatingly interesting as an idea for the character of Thor, especially with Matthew Vaughn as a director. Yeah, well, I mean, we would just have to wait a little bit to get that with The Dark Knight, I guess. But, uh, you know, there is a, uh, you know... I mean, there there are so many different approaches. Thor has always been uh, like a big draw for Marvel Comics. They, I really think that what they did in the comics by having Thor at all, I always loved Thor in the comics. Thor was just cool. I love the way he looked. I love the fact that he was from Asgard. I love their eventually in the Ultimates, which of course MCU borrows heavily from their eventual explanation for Asgard. I thought it was really really interesting um and uh you know are we but if we're talking about in development are we going to go all the way back to the tv movie where thor and the hulk teamed up (laughs) i did read about that the idea that that you know they had thought about this being a tv movie and i didn't want to go all the way back to that because that honestly again this is one of those uh properties that was kind of in development hell for a really long time yes and uh, by the time that the MCU was kind of around, they actually asked, and this was really interesting too, uh, Del Toro, uh, Gilmer Del Toro, to direct this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. And he really wanted this kind of very dingy, Valhalla-like, Vikings-in-the-mud type of film, which, I mean, obviously is the complete opposite of what we get uh, for Asgard here and of course he leaves this film to go do the hobbit which he doesn't ever get a chance to do with all the rights issues there and that's a whole other podcast but um i i personally find myself with those these two directors being very intrigued as to what they would do obviously matthew vaughn is um a very good director. We'd seen him uh, work with uh, the Marvel properties before with X-Men. His work there was, I thought, great in first class. You know, um, we know what he can do, obviously, with his own work. You know, he he's done the Kingsman movies, which, you know, the, whether I like them or not, they're slick, really well-produced, um, great action films in that sense. Uh, definitely have a sense of style to them. So I think he could have done a great job. And then Del Toro, I I mean, he's so good at this genre in the first place. Uh, he's he's very good at what he does. And I know that sounds dismissive, but there is a 100% chance that his movie never gets made in the MCU. It is oh, I, I, way yeah. that, yeah, oh, dingy, dark, grungy. I'm like, maybe if it was part of the Snyderverse, we could see his version of Thor, but not not in the MCU, not in the candy coated action hero genre. That's that, that. I mean, literally 
you know, putting the MCU together, the whole goal is to eventually make mm-hmm. a money printing machine. And you're not going to sure. do that with singular artistic visions. You're going to do that with mass produced guarantees of consistency uh, above all else. I would say, though, if it was going to happen, uh, it was going to happen here in phase one. You know, sure. I, I think that's the only place it probably really would happen. And although, I mean, it'll be interesting because I do think that we do have some directors who are able to create a vision for their film that doesn't just feel like a, a blueprint, um, even throughout like phase two or, or phase three, those kind of things. So that that I think it's going to be interesting. But I, it, to me, both of those directors sound, you know, uh, really interesting and, and I would have really enjoyed seeing you know what they would come up with they of course uh, with del toro out of the mix they go with kenneth brana and so i mean that really leads us to the fact that this movie gets released um and i gotta ask you one more question before that they offered daniel craig the role of thor that would have worked you think so i do I think that would have worked. I mean, because he seems like a totally different type of Thor than the one we get, obviously. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's going to seem more um, serious, I guess. Serious? Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he's he's going to seem a bit weightier. Uh, Hemsworth definitely brings a different type of energy. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we can go back and forth when we talk about Hemsworth's performance as to you know what its strengths and its shortcomings might Mm be but yeah daniel craig it's a different movie but i don't think it's i don't think it's terribly different character is still going to go on that Mm. arc i think that probably it'll be a little less jokey when he comes to Mm. earth and stuff like that probably because his energy would just be a little bit different well and i mean obviously we we both have seen, you know, Casino Royale, and when he comes out of the water, you know, I mean, he looks like a beefcake, just like uh, Chris Hemsworth does when he takes off his shirt in this movie, you know, so not quite to this extent, but I'm just saying he can definitely pull off the role physically, for sure, uh, Daniel Craig, and I think you're absolutely right that I think there would be more gravitas to the role immediately with the way Daniel Craig would probably play him, and at the same time, you know, I've seen other movies where Daniel Craig also has a very funny side to him. He, he has a wicked sense of humor. So, yeah, I think he could really he really could do both. Yes. Uh, but I still think we get a more serious Thor with Daniel Craig. I think also Absolutely. his physique would have been more solid uh, in terms of portraying somebody I would see as someone who's been in war. Right. Hemsworth looks like a sculpted young guy who goes to the gym all the time. Daniel Craig's Mm -hmm. physique looks like a sculpted, rugged guy who has killed people before. You know, like, I I think that's just the difference. He looks more like a rugby player, honestly. Right. Whereas Hemsworth looks like just a a guy who weightlifts to look good, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is sure. You know, obviously I'm saying he looks good. I'm not taking anything away from from him. Believe me, uh, you know, my wife really appreciates when he tapes off his shirt. So, yeah, you know, uh, yes, this starts the trend of uh, of our our Marvel heroes uh, disrobing at least once per film 
to yes. uh, to yeah. show off all of the hard work that their personal trainers have put yeah. them through. And, until you know, you get to what is it, uh, Infinity War, and you have Fat Thor, but that's a whole other uh, subject. No, no, that's that in, in like uh, Endgame. Years, so Endgame. Oh, Endgame. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And let's just go, let's call him Thick Thor. Let's avoid the. Thick uh, Thor. Let's avoid avoid the uh, the controversy about the naming conventions here, and we'll just we'll call him sure, Thick Thor sure. when we get there. So, this kind of brings us to then the first time seeing this, and so far you haven't seen any of the MCU in the theater, correct? And so, was Thor? Did was that the first one that you saw in the theater? It was. It really, was. that's I, fascinating. I'm not kidding. I loved Thor. I it's it, the thing is it. Iron Man 2, I was waved off, but the other ones, like in Iron Man, I was just like, ah, I've seen enough superhero movies, so I didn't catch the hype. Hulk, I would have wanted to see in the movie theater, but couldn't for various reasons. Iron Man 2, I was waved away. This one, I love the, the character of Thor growing up. I think Kenneth Branagh's a terrific director. Uh, I was intrigued by the, whatever angle His they were. Hamlet alone. Yeah, I mean, come on. Uh, Dead Again's great as well. Uh, his Henry V is amazing. Uh, all of these things that that Kenneth Branagh has done are, you know, solid. Like, he's got a solid resume. Right. I'll go see what he does. Uh, and, you know, additionally, knowing that they were drawing from the Ultimates by this point and liking what they had done with Thor and the Ultimates, I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll check that out. That, sound, that sounds good. So I was on board, and I, I, I definitely went to go see this in the theater. What about you? I mean, you know, at this point, I had seen all of the MCU films in the theater. And uh, I was excited about the idea of Thor because you know me, uh, and if listeners don't, I love fantasy stuff. You know, so, I mean, I love Lord of the Rings. You know, I I, um, I love, I really enjoy, like, Game of Thrones. Like, I, I enjoy these type of, uh, that genre. You know, I... The thing that turned me on to fiction as a kid was actually The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So Mm. for me, the idea of a mythological hero inside of the MCU was super exciting. Like, I was, I went into this movie thinking to myself, I'll bet Thor ends up being my favorite Hmm. just because of the genre from which they're pulling it from. Now, yes, I, I think I've mentioned here before, but I'm not overly familiar with Marvel Comics the way I am with DC. Uh, I hadn't really read any Marvel Comics up to this point, um, and, uh, and so I didn't know the source material coming in. So the best part about this, I think, for me with the MCU is that I didn't have any expectations other than like what a trailer would give me. You mm-hmm. know, I didn't come in with expectations of, okay, this has to be a certain way because they did this in the comics. No, I, I'm just going in as a normal viewer who doesn't really know anything other than the fact that it's connected to the rest of the stuff we've been getting. And the I know the character of Thor mythologically from Norse mythology. Right. So, uh, and because of that, I come in very excited for this movie thinking that I'm going to absolutely love it. And so I, I remember being in the theater and just being really excited to see this movie. And so, uh, and you know, like all the Marvel movies that, you know, pretty great experience. I can't remember if, you know, at this point two 3d was a big deal. 
and uh, this movie had been post converted into 3D. I can't remember if I saw it in 3D or uh, I, I, def- just, I know, definitely would not have. So. Um, because I, I, I hate post-conversion 3d with, with an absolute passion. Like it, it yeah. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I yeah. hate it. So de- I definitely saw this in 2d, uh, nice. is, is the point of that one. So I, and, and you know, in all honesty, I probably saw it, uh, at least once in, uh, in 3d is my guess at the time, you know, because it, it would have been a thing that I would have done back then. Um, you know, nowadays, I'm not going to see a movie in 3D unless it's been shot in 3D. Um, and honestly, they don't really do 3D anymore. But this was back when everything had to be in 3D because uh, d- that yeah. was the way, you know, movies were trying to get you in. Around uh, 2040, when Avatar 2 finally actually comes out, <laughs> will be when they, they try to resurrect 3D again. Because it goes on a 30-year cycle. 1950s was big for exactly, 3D. Yeah. 1980s, 2010s, 2040s will be back to 3D. You know, it's funny because I was uh, creating the schedule for the 602 Club, kind of looking at things that are supposed to come out next year, and Avatar 2 is supposed to come out, I believe, next year. I thought it was and supposed was to come myself, out December of this year. I, I don't know. Maybe it's this year. I, I don't remember. Yeah. Um, but I'm just thinking to myself, huh, that's that's interesting. I was like, Ugh, does that mean we have to talk about those on this Anyway, that's no, a whole other hey, podcast. You know what? I, so. I, I know that's a whole other podcast, but I'm going to throw I'm going to throw a cur- curveball here. If Avatar two doesn't get released on schedule, I say you go full, just commit to everything, and just cover the Smurfs movie because you know it's essentially it's the a, same it's thing, basically the know? same thing. Yeah. Or, or Fern Gully or Pocahontas. We'll do them together. It'll be a double feature. Anyway, <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, uh, what were your first impressions then coming out of the theater with Thor? I enjoyed it. I wasn't over the moon about it. And that might seem like, you know, damning with faint praise, but it was one of those ones where I walked out and it's it's a movie that I enjoyed. I was like, "Oh, I like that. I thought that was cool. Um I enjoyed the the way that it was constructed. I thought the performances were good. Tom Hiddleston winds up becoming the revel. Everybody walked out talking about Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wow, that yeah. guy was that guy who played Loki was great. Mm-hmm. Little did we know, right? I, I yeah, yeah, and I was just really impressed by him, and uh, uh, I really liked. Uh, I, I took quite, you know what? Uh, judge me if you want to, but I doubt I was the only guy in the audience that took quite a shine to uh, Lady Sif, where I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I, I want to see more of this character. She's she's very cool, um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I really liked uh, Stellan Skarsgård. I thought he was a great addition to the mm-hmm. cast. I really liked having somebody worked into the story who was, you know, versed in the mythology so that it wasn't like that sort of lazy, look what I found in the library sort of thing. But a guy who says at one point, I grew up with these stories. This is crazy what right. you're talking about. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I enjoyed it a bit. I I remember the first showing, I thought that the ending was a letdown in terms of how it flowed in its construction, where I was like, ah, you know, it didn't really sing for me in the ending. But, um, you know, we'll get back to that when we talk about, you know, revisiting it and stuff like that. Uh, What about you? What was your first impression? You know, it's interesting that uh, you kind of highlighted Big time, you know, Hiddleston. And uh, I think I absolutely came out of this film thinking to myself, wow, that Loki character was so cool. 
And not only that, but like you, Tom Hiddleston was amazing in this film. Like, he is absolutely the star, which is the thing that I walked out of the movie thinking, Thor is a bore, mm. but Loki is cool. And I I therefore didn't really enjoy the movie because the the main character of the film wasn't the one that I was excited about. It was actually the villain that I connected most to because he actually had the most interesting story. Thor, I, I found to just have such a very basic storyline that I was like, that's really all they're going to give the main character is a storyline. And, and because of that, I just, I walked away from this film for, I remember the first time just being really disappointed in it. Other than the fact that I was actually looking forward to the next time I would see Loki, not Thor. And to me that made this movie a complete disaster because if I walk out of a film and I'm not excited about the main character, and I know he's going to be the one to continue. I mean, I had nobody had any idea how or if Loki would come back, right? So I, you figure he will, but I, I, it was just frustrating for me. And that was really my first big reaction to the film. I was like, I just, I don't get why the main character is so boring. That's interesting. I didn't think Thor was boring. I thought that the Earth stuff didn't work for me terribly well the first time I saw it. Um, obviously, like I said, the ending, but by this point, people hadn't really been trained to always expect the stinger. I knew mm -hmm. to expect the stinger. You just said when you walked out, you weren't sure if you would see him again. Did you stay for the stinger? Did you, had you fallen into the routine of, okay, I'm not leaving until everything's done or mm -hmm. did you get up and yep. go that first I time? I had, I had gotten to that point where I would stay for the stinger. So, yeah. Okay. Well, the. So they had uh, successfully trained the audience. Yes. And considering yes. this is my first time sitting in the movie theater for one of these movies, I was I was already I was already housebroken yeah. by the time I got in. So that's kind of depressing when you think about it. Um, but uh, you know, I see when I really love the villain, that's not necessarily a negative because the villain always gets the chance to steal the show. They're always going to have the more charismatic angle to the story worked in for them. And I, I thought Hiddleston was a revelation. I thought Hiddleston was great, but at the same time, I respected that what it was, and this is very much reinforced by this rewatch is what makes Hiddleston really shine is the fact that he gets that one-on-one -on -one scene with Anthony Hopkins and, mm-hmm, rises to the occasion mm -hmm. and that scene yep. really works well because Hiddleston very obviously knows why his character is there, how his character is feeling. And as a professional, he knows, Oh my gosh, I'm sharing a scene with Anthony Hopkins. I'd better nail this <laughs> or everybody is going to talk about how I couldn't yep. match him. Yep. And I think that that's the, the thing that I came away with where and I do completely agree with you that you don't have to have a movie where uh, the the hero is everything. But with this being my first introduction to Thor as a character, 
because I hadn't read the comics or anything. And him not being there really being anything to remember about him. That's the thing I think where I came out of it, finding it to be a disaster on that front. Whereas again, I Loki has such a much more interesting story, Mm -hmm. but he has all the much more interesting stuff to do too. Just thematically and charismatically. And I mean, a, a child, realizing that you know they're not who they thought they were and that their parents have been lying to them the whole time and like all of these things that they add in with this character that are just so layered that give you so much to play with you know i mean thor is a spoiled brat who gets taught a lesson which i mean it's it's a it's a something we've seen done way better in in other movies so but Mm. loki's you know, I, I, I whole whole thematic arc was just phenomenal. Yes, I, I would dare say that you're saying that Loki stole Thor's thunder. That's exactly what I'm saying. Excellent. Oh, I was so happy to use that line. You know, yeah. I, I how I, long have you been, how long have you been playing? Like, did you been thinking about that one a week, a month? No, not at all. It was just while you were talking mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, I, yeah. You heard me sure. going mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because I was just I was like, <laughs> oh, he said something I can use. So, what's interesting to me then is revisiting this. I know I was able to see what I had rated it on Letterboxd years ago because I have revisited this. Uh, once or twice before sure. now but it was in the i haven't watched it in at least at least five or six years sure and probably my rating on letterbox carries over from you know just remembering you know oh i thought mm-hmm. this of it and i had Great. given it a two and a half stars and we won't get to our final ratings till later i can mm-hmm. tell you that i seemed to view it with different eyes this time and mm-hmm. i don't know why uh, yeah. But I definitely saw it differently than my first impression this time. Sure. And so since we're talking about the fact that we're revisiting these to see how how well they've aged. Without giving away what your rating is. Do you think that this film has aged better than Iron Man 2 or Iron Man for that matter or The Incredible Hulk? Do you, or actually, you know what? get out of the comparison game do you think that this film has aged well and or gotten better with the rewatch you know i I, it's interesting because i'll i'll tease that it it does go up a little bit but it is more in comparison to the rest of what i know from the mcu more so than necessarily the film itself um and i I do think that Hiddleston's performance here covers a multitude of sins for the film. And I enjoy watching his arc so much in the film that I was able to kind of be a little bit kinder to it. And I think in 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 the rewatch of it, you know, we just came off Iron Man 2 and I'm thinking to myself, well you know, which would I rather watch, you know, like because we're watching him so close together too, it gives me that opportunity to really be thinking about how um, it just plays as a movie itself. Um, 
And I don't know, because even as I'm talking, um, I'm also thinking of things that really, really bothered me this time that didn't probably in my first viewing that I might have to go back and take that raise I gave away because there's some things in here um, camera-wise that I really got annoyed with. Um, interesting. That's interesting so. because I wind up going in the opposite direction because I was struck that uh, of the MCU movies we've received up to this point, I actually thought that this one was the most interestingly lit and the most interestingly photographed mm-hmm. because there there was something more going on than there was mm. in okay. uh, in the previous in the sense that mm. I really liked the fact that they made the choice to use Dutch camera angles or oh, the, I hated that absolutely hated it well it was terrible that's I mean okay no accounting yeah. for taste sort of thing but yeah. like the way that they layered the colors worked really, really well. I thought that this, this was actually a visually interesting film to watch. Like I could turn off the sound and there are some very interesting tableau. There are some interesting color uh, treatments and contrasts going on. I And I, th- you know, while the CG does not age terribly well, unfortunately, in certain moments, I still thought it was a very visually interesting movie uh to look at and the the director of photography photography of this actually went on to work with Branagh in uh Cinderella and Murder on the Orient Express and I can just tell you I like this guy's style I like the way he uses color in his shots I like the way he composes scenes I like what he does here because there I think that there is very much a visual sensibility that pays tribute to the comic book origins without getting weighted down in them the way that uh for instance Schumacher does when he does a Batman movie where it looks too cartoony this looks like appropriately that blend of real and comic uh that I you know I think produces an interesting effect yeah, I just uh, I didn't like the Dutch angles. I thought it added nothing to the film other than it just being an obnoxious choice uh, for shooting the film and trying to make something look interesting that's not. Um, and oh, I, I wow I don't I actually responded worse now to the um, portrayal of Asgard because everything looks fake. There's nothing real in it, you know, and and this is where. By creating massive blue screen sets that, um, you know, there's there's very probably little other than, you know, some computer generated animation. I, I just, and, and I wanted Asgard to feel more real and it doesn't. And, <laughs> but see, and the- I, I, I look, okay, I, Again, it's just my opinion. And again, I haven't read the comics, so I don't no, know. I'm, All I'm saying I'm is just, is that with with Asgard, I wanted it to feel like this really cool, amazingly real place, you know, in the same way that Lord of the Rings feels so real. Um Okay. And it just this this just doesn't have any of that. And I was uh, just kind of struck by the fact that why is Asgard so small? Like 
all the realms are planets, and yet this is not even a planet. It's like a city on a disc, and it just I I don't know. None of it works for me, honestly. I, I, see, I I think that's that's being excessively harsh because. I'm not comparing it to the comics or anything like that. I think it's just it's it's an embrace of color and an embrace of doing different things than just straight setups uh, with with cameras. And and the Dutch angles do, you know, they're used to great effect to show characters off kilter and and dealing with with difficult situations. There's there's you know, it's not like they just did it to do it. There's there seems a very intentional story choice to do it and that's why that's why it works but yeah i I already conceded that you know some of the cg just doesn't hold up uh which is unfortunate because there but at the same time i i guess i tend to be very forgiving of that type of thing Mm because i'm like you know they're trying something maybe they didn't have the budget maybe etc 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 so so i'll look at i'll be like but does the design look interesting is the color choice interesting? Yeah. Right. Okay. That's fine. And I think that's the thing that I I didn't really enjoy about the design work is it's just not that interesting. Mm. Like there's nothing visually stimulating about Asgard. I mean, and part of it is because, and I'm sure that this is a reference to the comics, but just the way the city basically looks like a pipe organ um, where, you know, it, things get, the, the pipes get larger and larger in the middle, there's nothing grabbing my attention to say, oh, that's cool, or oh, that, or, it just looks vaguely spacey, and like, somewhat, like, yeah, I, I would have, I... I wish that they had embraced much more a a design sense that referenced more of that Norris feel while at the same time making it grand and that and like when they walk into the throne room it feels like it should be amazingly cool and yet it's just this large ridiculously open place that doesn't have anything to it to draw my attention um and and so i I just but but i think let me let me present a counterpoint let me present a counterpoint to that because in thor's introduction in that uh in that moment he's the one that's the splash of color so i think it's interesting in the fact that it it, just like a comic book would have Mm -hmm. a wash around it and varying shades of a color and then have that one character pop. I think that that too is a conscious choice. I I understand the criticism that you have for it. I, I agree the 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 design of the city of Asgard is nothing special. That's true. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the the Bifrost, the Rainbow Bridge thing, sure. uh, is very cool. It's very interesting. No, I mean, the, I don't, the, the, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. I well, mean, and, that is pretty neat. I, I thought that the armor was a really interesting, uh, you know, adaptation of of things. But also, mm-hmm. you know, the, the only downside with armor stuff like this, and I don't know that there's a way to get around it. But the only downside with armor stuff like this is the design looks cool, let me put it this way, at a distance, 
But then when you get in the close-ups yeah, is when yep. it looks like molded really plastic. Yep. And it's like, mm-hmm. eh, yeah, like you have to. Yep. I'm not going to be looking at these people made, in long okay. shots. Right. But I mean, and, and, and so that's the difference that I think like say Lord of the Rings where it literally is armor that they have created and they've overlaid like leather to it and etched and like they've like that's what they should have done for this because I think it gives a reality to it. Um, and it helps you, it helps really sell that, that scene specifically where Thor walks in and he's about to be crowned king, you know, it's, it's an homage to the 10 commandments, right? When Moses returns and he's got all of the spoils with him and everything. Right. And the problem is, is that that scene is just visually not interesting because nothing in the room is that interesting because it no, nothing in it feels real. And I think that's the frustration to me is that they're in these massive halls and it's supposed to, there's, you're supposed to feel something when you're in there, but all I feel is, is that it's not there. And I'm sure probably people will yell at me and be like, what about the prequels? Well, every time somebody's in that room, it, it, I I just I'm I don't know it just this this here it just doesn't work I and that's the thing is I don't I don't discount that there there are moments that don't work but I think I just looking at it in the totality and the design aspect I think it does work mm-hmm. better far better than sure. I gave it credit for in the past yeah um, and I'm I'm definitely glad to hear that it it works better for you I mean that I'm I'm not going to discount that fact because I know that's a big deal. I know, but I, I always bristle it like that better for you sort of like phrasing because it's like it's not because I'm being too nice here. It's like or maybe it is. I don't know, because mm-hmm. it really is one of those things where I'm looking at it from the perspective of what I think is fun about this movie sure. is that Branagh comes at it as if it is a stage play and that it's a Shakespeare stage play. And I think that is possibly what makes it flow because the the thing is while there may be shortcomings here and there with some of the effects with you know and, and some of the the prop construction and stuff like that there is a speed with this movie where it moves the the pace it never mm-hmm. sure it never slows down so much that i feel bored and it never accelerates to the point where i feel it's not giving a fair shake to a, a segment of its story I think that Brano is a good storyteller and he understands how to balance those things. The downside of that is that at points it feels too much like an adaptation of Shakespeare as opposed to its own thing, where it's almost as if somebody is imagining, well, what if Thor was just like Henry the fourth? And it's like, Oh, okay. All right, cool. And it works overall, but, it loses some of its own identity in those moments. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, 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 it's interesting that you say that about the speed of the film itself, because I'll disagree with you there because I think, I don't think that this film gives enough time or weight to things to allow me to, to feel the changes in the characters that are necessary for me to buy the storyline at the very end. Because I don't think we we spend enough time or give enough time to Thor 
on earth for me to buy that his whole outlook on life changes that quickly. He's there for like a day and a half. Like, that's not enough time to completely turn from being a complete, you know, narcissistic a-hole to being somebody who is now going to be sacrificial, which I love that thematic element of the idea that somebody turns into being the hero that would be willing to give up their life for somebody else, right? That's one of my favorite arcs. Problem is, is that you don't actually do a good enough job in this film to make me buy the fact that Thor makes that change. Uh, yeah, I, I, the, the thing is, you're conflating here uh, the the story construction with the editing. Like, when I'm talking about it, it moves at the right clip. It moves like it 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 does not um, sacrifice anything for you know it, it doesn't linger basically it's there as an entertainment and it's not it does I think that what's what works very well compared to you know some other stuff that I've seen is that it does not get weighted down it's in its own pretensions. It doesn't have any illusions about what it is. It knows what it is. It knows the basic type of story that it's giving. And in terms of Thor, how long he's on Earth sort of thing, fungible, I think. Like it's, I didn't take it as a day and a half, literally. I took it as a longer period of time that he's there, long enough to fall in love. But even if you're like, oh, well, you know, he fell in love and it was one day. It's like, well, you know, that's a story we're used to that, you know, that love broke his heart open. He was always a good guy inside and love broke his heart open and he realized his mistake. Mm -hmm. And all it took was just that moment of realizing, you know, how terrible he had been. Um, and you know, that that's the redemption arc right there that there's no mandatory duration of time that somebody has to have to have that, you know, Scrooge redeems his entire life in one night. So who am I to complain about Thor if it's if it's a day and a half? I I just I feel like the the problem is is that the movie spends all of its narrative energy on giving me the story of Loki, Mm. and none of its narrative energy really enough on the uh, on the main character, Uh, and and again I don't. I don't feel like we're spending enough time with Thor to truly buy his story and to make him genuinely interesting because he's just not that interesting. I'm going to disagree there as well. I don't think that I don't think that he is as charismatic as Loki. I've already conceded that point. But I think showing Loki's, you know, origin story as a child doesn't mean that we got less of Thor. It's that Thor, we get plenty of setup for Thor from the get-go. And that scene where they go off and he impetuously runs off and almost starts a war and starts, you know, fighting everybody without, you know, he's using his heart instead of his head. And then Odin has to show up and bail him out sort of thing. Mm -hmm. That's my origin point for him. That's plenty of time to learn all about Thor. And, you know, and then counterbalance at the end when he's willing to lay his life down for everybody and say, you know what? No, sure. 
you know, it, it's it's fine if I go. You guys need to mm-hmm. get away. And the thing is, it, it's I'm not trying to do a, a pitched defense of the film per se, but I do think you're being a little too hard on it in in those specific terms. I really do, and I think that um, it's an interesting experience because mm-hmm. I, I do think that this is one of those one of those films that is because it's aged better from my perspective and because I it did prove to be emotionally affecting at certain points again because I think Brandon knows how to tell a story in an efficient, straightforward manner, Odin's tear running down the side of his face, Loki's legitimate sense of betrayal, but then he's also a jerk. Um, you know, the battle at the end, Loki, hit, you know, his departure at the end, I, I think it all works pretty darn well. I think the thing that doesn't work in this movie that I'll call out, and the thing is, before we go, we'll, we'll definitely have to talk about... Um, the music, we, we always seem to leave that to the end, unfortunately. But um, I think the thing that doesn't really work terribly well is the fact that I don't have an ounce of chemistry between Natalie Portman and Chris Hemsworth. I don't. I don't buy them as people who are falling in love. I don't feel any sort of like electric thing. I, I felt, and you know, I, I know everybody's going to, you know, roll their eyes at this one, but I felt actual chemistry between Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen. I did go ahead and, you know, say what you will. Um, I actually found there to be chemistry between those two. Whereas here, this is just two actors in their roles sort of thing. I think there's one scene where there's a little bit going on, but it's, it, it never quite hits that, uh, that sort of thing. But then, you know, Sif and Thor, yeah, uh, Jamie Alexander and Chris Hemsworth really seem to have a legitimate chemistry. And I think that also undercuts a bit of the work with uh, Hemsworth and Portman because I see two actors who do have that sort of electricity between them and then two actors who don't, but the two actors who don't are the ones that have the love story, and it's it's just a little disorienting. What what do you think about Hemsworth and, and Portman's? Uh, yeah, I think that um, I I think maybe that's one of the reasons why I just respond so badly to all of the Thor stuff. Maybe, um, I you know, I I, I mean I. I just, I, it's so interesting for me to be on the other side of you being the one defending the movie and me being the one kind of being like, you know, rah, 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 we're usually on opposite sides of that. Um, Only when it comes but, to Zack Snyder. <laughs> well, <laughs> but I won, so. Um, did you? Uh, let's, let, let's not let that did be you? forgotten. Um, I did. I Actually, mm. Zack Snyder won. That's who won. Yeah, um, that, that that's what I was going to say. It's like, That's you know, the real winner. Yeah. Uh, I... I, I do agree with you. I mean, I don't feel tons of chemistry between him and Portman, and I think that's really disappointing. And I, I mean, I, that is a huge part of the whole Earth sequence not working for Thor for me. You know, because 
you don't feel there being this immediate chemistry between two people where you sense that they're just like it's it's they were thunderstruck right with love um that doesn't happen and and so all of the rest of the stuff i don't and i feel more chemistry with him and selling stars guard but see uh, as as bros than i do with him yeah. and natalie portman <laughs> i i concede that as well the the one thing i'll say is that uh, it's an interesting reversal in a sense in that we're i think we're used to a male character being um awestruck with a very attractive female character and in this it's reversed where thor is sort of unaware of her until he spends more time with her and she's you know she is right struck with struck him. By him yeah and yeah. i think well that, i mean every woman that sees him is all struck by him so you know and uh you know i'm just glad that we haven't mentioned the whole meow meow thing because meow, I, meow. I hate that joke so much. I, <laughs> I hate the joke so much that I wish I had a time machine to go back and erase that joke from the film, <laughs> like secretly. Like they ship it off well, and like, here's Prince of Thor. Yeah. And like I get right to the negative cutter and I just cut that line right there before it gets there. Well, can we talk about the fact that, you know, there's so many good people in this film. And I think one of the other things about the movie that drives me crazy is that, like, so many of them have nothing to do. You know, I mean, it it's, it's, a, it's really obnoxious to me that we have this whole cast of people who play his friends, um, like Jamie Alexander and, you know, um, da- uh, Josh Dallas, you know, and all of these type of people, they have absolutely zero to do in this film uh, other than kind of like stand around and, you know, we don't really get to know them or anything. They're just kind of there because they're part of the, you know, they're part of the cast, right? You know, they're part of the characters that come from the comics that we don't get to do anything with, which is really disappointing. Um, You know, you have Rene Russo as his mother. Literally nothing to do in this film. Um, I don't even know why she's there. You know, you could have like not had her in the movie and it would have been fine because she has like six lines and it's disappointing. Um, so I, I think I think all of that drives me crazy about this movie. And part of that, and I, I will be honest, I would much rather this movie had taken more time with itself and given me like maybe even just 10 more minutes of character moments so that I could actually care about some of these characters more because, because of the, the relationship between him and Portman, uh, him and Jane, I don't have any connection with them. Um, I don't really have any connection with his time on earth then really that much um mm. and i don't i don't have a strong enough connection with thor and his friends to really get like them following him doing really stupid stuff all the time 
I, I see. I I I disagree and, on that. And that's I another disagree thing. On like that. my I, wife I, said too. She's like, he's just a dummy. No, I I don't agree. I don't agree with that at all. I I I I really don't. I think that um, or Thor goes on a much more interesting arc than that. I think that than the way you're portraying it. And again, I'm not doing a pitched defense of it, but the. F- you know the the simple fact is that like there isn't a there isn't a false note uh, on the scale that I'm hearing you give it right where there are things again that I've conceded don't work particularly well I I, I was the one that called out you know Hel- Hemsworth and and Portman at first right and. The ending didn't really, you know, mesh for me particularly well with the first viewing. There were still some structural problems with it. I think that going through your comments as I listen to you, I think that probably what you're reacting to is something that that I didn't react to uh, this time as strongly, maybe because my perspective on the MCU, where we are in the journey, maybe there's something psychological going on. This is set up, right? Phase one is all about setup. And I think that probably what's happening here is I'm cataloging it that way on some sort some sort of subconscious level. I'm not trying to be like Freud here or anything like that. But basically you're bristling at the fact that, you know, oh, Renee Russo's only in it for a handful of minutes. But they know they're going to use Rene Russo later. So she's in a Mace Windu type of role. And Loki is big splash. Why does he take so much attention from Thor? But even just looking at the stinger, we know Loki's going to come back. And I know already Loki's going to be the major villain in Avengers. Right? That, that we're hurtling toward at this point. So maybe there is some sort of factor there where I'm just looking further down the line and I'm just sort of cataloging it that way. Not, I'm not saying better than, I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying like, it's a different, different lens through which to view it. And maybe that's the lens I wind up unwittingly viewing it through. And so I'm, you know, forgiving some of those sorts of things. I don't know. Maybe I, I just, I think that, this movie doesn't do a great job of introducing the main character in a way that's interesting. And I still feel that way. Like I it's one of those things where my my original reaction to the movie hasn't changed all that much because and maybe my reaction is also based on the fact that the character never gets better than this. You know, like when I you're looking hmm. at the future and retroactively, I'm also looking at the future and thinking like but I don't ever feel like I like Thor any more than I like him here all that much. Now, not to say that Thor doesn't get some cool moments, you know, in movies or whatever. There's some things that he does that are decent, but it's like the character himself. I never really care about him as a character all that much. Um, and the only time I think that's the case is like it could possibly be end game i think where it's like they finally dealt with the character in a way that made him like 
come and might it might have been Infinity War. I get them mixed up anyway. But where it's like they finally allowed the character to react to things in a way that felt so much more real and so much more right for the character when and it just something clicked in that moment. Here again, like I I think the thing that I bristle at is that everything happened so quickly for the character. And I almost want more time to be spent. Just, uh, maybe maybe I want the movie to spend more time on Earth to give him the opportunity to really struggle more or something. I don't know what it is, but it I, just I, mm, doesn't see it, I, it, it never coalesces for me as a as an arc. And I just um yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I honestly think it might come down to one of these taste things because again, I don't take it as literally like he's on earth for 90 minutes sort of thing. Like it's, it's very much a time compression sort of thing happening. And I don't, I don't see it as, you know, as quick as all that. Sure. Um, I, 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 I mean, don't it, look, I, it, it, like this is one of the places where it just comes down to like how you react to something. Right. And I, I just, I don't, yeah, I, I just, I, I just, I just in the context of things, I, I just, I don't think that this story benefits from any more time on screen. That, and that's probably why I appreciate the pacing is after a certain point, you've seen an arc like this so much that there's no point in right. not just putting your foot down on the accelerator a little bit and saying, okay, you know, we're, we're going to get there. You know where we're going. You know, it's like it's mm-hmm. it's it's uh, driving to Disney World after you've been there a couple of times. You're like, okay, you know, the, yeah. it, it, I know where but I'm I, going I think now. that maybe that's the thing that I want. Yeah, them but not to- everything needs to be Man of Steel, right? No, but I, okay, come on. Uh, what I'm saying is, is that you can do it well. You you can do it well, and maybe I would like for them to take this a little bit more seriously and not make everything such a freaking joke, and and like really allow me to experience this character but, having a moment where like he has to learn this lesson, other than the, it feeling like it's a joke. But the scene under the stars is actually very, very nice scene where they're out where they're out there talking under the stars. That scene does work pretty darn well, I think. The thing, the thing, the thing I wish they had spent more time on was uh, the hair dye for Hemsworth eyebrows, because boy, that was a mess. That just didn't make any sense. <laughs> but I, I, I would say I like what you're saying there, and that's the kind of thing that I would have enjoyed more of, and 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 maybe some more of those type of scenes would have been nice to kind of make. Jane and Thor feel like there is more chemistry to there, those there two is, characters. There is no question. Again, we, we keep coming back to that point, And there is no question that now that we've hit, now that we've chosen the template, Iron Man 2 and Thor show the absolute commitment to the template. That the, the jokiness is there. We figured out the formula. This is how it's going to work. This is what's going to do. And there is no question that the things I respond better to are Stellan Skarsgård's whole arc 
And mm-hmm. uh, I do I do think Thor's arc works pretty well in in certain respects, but Loki, uh, you know, obviously, and stuff like that. But you know, again, like I said, we we always leave the music to the end. But it's been a sticking point for us in terms of these movies. There hasn't been a score that's really lit us on fire up to this point, where it's like you know the Iron Man movies, they're primarily mixtapes. And Hulk wasn't, you know, didn't blow us away sort of thing. I got to ask Patrick Doyle, who works with Branagh pretty frequently. And Mm -hmm. you even made reference to Branagh's absolutely masterful uh, adaptation of Hamlet. Like it's, it's stunning how wonderful that film is. And anybody who disagrees is a terrible person, but that is true. I'll agree with that. What do you think? We will agree on that. What do you think of uh, Doyle's score? Um, It is interesting uh, because this is the first time I feel like we actually get a theme for a character. There is a actual hummable theme for Thor and for Asgard here. Um, I've never been a huge Patrick Doyle fan personally. I'm not a his orchestration, just not my favorite. Um, but I would say, as per scores, this is the best score so far. I got to give it to him. I mean, he actually creates something that feels move m- moves you when you're. I mean, like the music when you pass through Asgard. He's the music is trying to evoke these feelings from you, and he's doing a good job of of creating that. I think, which is great. Um, and again, there's an actual theme, you know, in in the sense of like a Batman Superman style theme where you could hum it and you think, Oh, that's the Thor theme. So, you know, for as hard as I've been on the movie, I've got to give it to Patrick Doyle for creating so far the best score in the MCU. Hands down. Absolutely agree. Best one so far. Yeah. Actually a score that I could listen to. And actually Mm -hmm. it struck me at certain points where I know, I know, you know, we have, you have the conversation all the time where it's like, oh, well, it shouldn't draw attention to itself, but it draws attention to itself in a, this could be a clumsy way to put it, in a John Williams sort of way where you hear music at certain points and you're like, right. yeah, that's it. That's it. Yes. That's yep. the emotion of this 100%. scene right here. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more there. And, and I think, you know, that's one of the things where the scenes like the star scene when they're, you know, it's just Jane and Thor. Uh, and they're looking at the stars, and he's explaining the nine realms with, you know, the world tree of Isidral. Uh, fantastic. You know, I, I think that's one of those places where where it's like, man, if we had had just a few more of those scenes, maybe would have felt like these characters were in love, right? Because that was a good scene. Um, and so, uh, you know, I want to I want to take a step before we kind of move to ratings and this has been a longer show but it's also been i would say we've had some serious to quote another show aggressive negotiations about this movie (laughs) um, which has been fantastic and i think uh, much more interesting than us just agreeing on everything but you mentioned that this movie has some things that ended up raising the bar for you in the sense of like where you put it ratings wise so before we get the ratings I wanted to mention some things that I did really like about this movie because I've been pretty hard on it. And one was I really came to appreciate the music like we just talked about. 
Uh, and two, you know, uh, the thing that I, you know, Loki steals the show and Tom Hiddleston becomes a character to which I can't stop watching on screen. Mm-hmm. Which I think is fantastic and obviously a big deal for the MCU. They needed him to work, right? They almost need him more to work here than Thor yep. just because he's going to be that villain that we don't know is coming necessarily in the sense that he's going to be the main villain for Avengers. But the fact that he works here like he does, huge plus for them because if he didn't, man, they would be in real trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then three, I really enjoyed uh, some of the, and I know you don't like Kat Dennings in this movie, okay, but no, to no. me... Full stop here. She's... Full- Full stop. Ms. Dennings is a talented actress, and she's a a very good comic actress. She is also currently, as we record this, engaged to one of my favorite musicians on the planet, uh, Andrew W.K. And I think that they are an adorable couple together. And Kat Dennings in this movie is fine. I do not have a problem with her character, Darcy. I don't have a pointed problem with her character until WandaVision. WandaVision okay. Okay. is where it all gotcha. goes off the rails for me. She's okay. she's comic relief in this. <laughs> she's not my favorite character, but she's fine. It is very specifically her role in WandaVision mm-hmm. as the, 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 the token explainer drove yeah. me up the friggin' wall. Yeah. Yeah, here I just I I've always responded well to her in this film. And then the last thing I've got to say that I think I really responded to is we had such an issue with the way that they introduced Natasha in Iron Man 2. The way they introduced Hawkeye in this movie, fantastic. He's not a focus. He's not like, "Oh, hey, look at me," you know. It's just he's a guy who's working for Coulson at this, you know, spot where the hammers dropped and it's a it's never like i'm somebody important that you need to pay attention to because again i didn't know the comics so i didn't know to pay attention to this dude he and so when i just see him later on you know in avengers like oh cool right so i i just i felt like they introduced him really really well um without just being like this is a connection point, you know, like it was really well done. So I got to give them that. All right. Good. I'm glad that you could find your way to saying something positive. So I'm curious. I'm curious. I'm just teasing. You're Mr. Positive. You're, you're always (laughs) Mr. Positive. Um, I try to be, uh, you know, and and I think it was, okay. You know what? I'm going to call this out. This is the thing that blows my mind is you're hacking on this harder than you hacked on uh, Iron Man 2. And that absolutely and it's by true. your own admission you'd rather watch this again than Iron Man 2. So I'm like bro, what's up here? Like so <laughs> like really you got to tell me what your rating is. Yes, and to answer that question though first of why I'm hacking at it is that I think I see more potential here. And I came into it originally, just even just originally, hoping for to love it. And then when I didn't, I think that's what made me frustrated. Uh, and so 
the movie let me down in that sense, you know? So, um, I, I was, I had rated this, I rewatched it and I, I'm struggling. Do I give it a three or do I give it the two and a half that, that I had before? I don't know. Um, I'm really struggling with whether if I, I should give it, I think it's still just a two and a half for me. I, I feel like it's half a good movie. There's some things that I really enjoy. I see so much room for improvement for this film by them risking to do basically what they did with The Incredible Hulk, which is to take it much more seriously. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately with Thor, they will never take him seriously again. Um, I guess then maybe they'll try in the Dark World, and then by the time Ragnarok comes around, we'll abandon that completely. And he will just be... Hey, don't tip your hand on... On uh, on on Dark World or yeah. Ragnarok anyway. yet? Okay, all right. So save something I, for the all future. All in all, yeah, I gotta go. I I gotta say, I think it's it's just uh, it's gonna be a two and a half. So, and I looked at my my like like overall Marvel rankings, and this does rate below Iron Man two, but it would be a real fight as to which one I'd rather watch. Very interesting because I wind up walking away giving this a three and a half this time, which is a jump up from a two and a half. Um, and it's again, uh, you know, it could simply be watching it so quickly after Iron Man two and looking at it and saying, Oh, this is how you put a story together. Because honestly, you compare the two stories and Iron Man two is a very ham fisted way to, to start yes. assembling things. And then I see mm-hmm. this and right yeah. afterward, it's yep. like, Oh, this is a yes. film. This this actually, 100%. and uh, you know, could not agree with that part more. Like this is a much better integration of all the things they're trying to do Marvel right. wise, and yeah, absolutely. And I do think it's visually interesting. I do think it's beautifully photographed on the whole. Uh, I do. I do, I'm not as hard on um, on Hemsworth as you are. I still have a crush on Lady Sif, and I you know the ending. And we've talked about this before. The ending maybe works a little better for me because there's no disappointment factor for me this time. There's no factor for me to, to like I did the first time, to be like, yeah, you know, this could have gone, but yeah, this, this was a little messy. I know what to expect this time. So it's entirely possible that I'm viewing it through the lens of like, ah, eh, the ending works better because, you know, it can't, like, nowhere to go but up sort of thing. Um. So, you know, there there is that sort of thing. So, yeah, I wind up at a three and a half. And I'm not going to apologize for it. Not at all. I, no, and I don't think you should. You know, I mean, again, like, I think that may be one of the other things we didn't even talk about. But I, I found the the finale, at least on Earth, really boring because I thought the Destroyer was a terrible design and super boring. Like, it just, there wasn't anything exciting about it or you know, just felt a, like, oh, big CGI thing that we didn't spend any time designing comes at, you know. But, yeah, I mean, 
I'm really interested then, how do you rank the films so far? What would you put them in um, as as a ranking order? We always joke about this, don't we? About you, yeah, This one's not that hard, though. You're going to have so. to tabulate for me. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think that since we're only four in so far, yep. still give top spot to Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Incredible Hulk still winds up in the second slot. Thor number three, Iron Man two, still pulling up dead last. What about you? Mm. Well, uh, I think the only thing that's different is I got Iron Man, of course, uh, and Incredible Hulk right there uh, at one and two. And then it's going to be Iron Man 2 after that. Okay, that... And Thor after that. And the I'm, reason is... is no. And, and, and remember, I said that when we talked about Iron Man 2, the thing that could... I, I wouldn't want to rewatch that movie, but if I did, it would be, cu- it'd be because Robert Downey Jr. is so much more enjoyable to watch here than the main character in this movie, Thor. So disagree. I'm struggling Hard between disagree. if I want to see if I want to see a movie about a hero and it's these two movie those two movies like it's going to be Iron Man two right. if I want to watch the movie about the villain it'll be because Loki is in this movie so I mean it's uh, wow see the thing is it's, I, it's pe- a toss up really people frequently talk about my ability to commit to the bit but I I'm in the presence of a master of committing to the bit right now because there's no realm. Of the nine realms, in none of those realms is Iron Man 2 a better movie than Thor. Not a chance. Not no way, not no how. So, I, I, no. I, I, you know what? Let, let, let's, I, let's just pull yeah, the plug. I, Why don't you tell I everybody? Just... No, 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 no. We're going to tell everybody where they can meet, <laughs> find us online because you're just, you're just, you've developed, you've devolved into insanity at this point. This is, I, I don't, I, I don't even know who you well, are anymore. Can, can, can I at least say that on, on, on the ranking scale of all MCU things for me, like it's Iron Man two and then Thor is right below it on the list. Doesn't matter. So it's like no, you that's, know, that, it's that's, not like that. That is that. Anyway. Th- like seriously, you might as well have just told me that the tree <laughs> controls, uh, you know, like m- the electricity in my house or something like that. It just doesn't even make sense. No, I'm no. S- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just oh don't no, know. don't I apologize just, for your nonsense. Really, I, no, no, I, no. If Own nobody it. has not picked this up yet, I have a really hard time with this this movie. So. I just do. Oh, I picked anyway. up on it, but the simple fact that you admitted earlier that it's a better movie than Iron Man 2, but you still rank Iron Man 2 above it, come on, man. I <sighs> Thor's just really boring. Anyway, uh, you yeah. can find me on social media uh, under the name MattRushing02. You can also find me uh, all over the place here on the network, not only here with the 602 Club uh, as our general geek show, and of course Snyder Cuts with John in the same feed as well as Assembling Avengers, but I'm also doing Literary Treks, The Orb, and Warp 5. Literary Treks about the books and the comics of Star Trek. Warp 5 is about Star Trek Enterprise, and The Orb is about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And then over on the Nerd Party Network, I did a show called Outpost with Drea Kaufman where we talked about all of the Harry Potter series, one chapter at a time, and uh, that's a finished show. we actually done now, so you can just go and listen to your heart's content, all those Harry Potter chapters. And then John and I talk about Star Wars each and every week on a show called Aggressive Negotiations. But John, if uh, people want to catch up with you and yell about how you were right and I was wrong or I was right and you were wrong, I don't know, where can they find you? Oh, people fear the idea of admitting that I was right about things because... 
you know. Well, this is true. I, you know, nobody, nobody. Your head's already big enough. Uh, is it now? Is it now? That's why I shaved my head. Is I've got so much ego heat. <laughs> oh, coming is off that of it. why you shaved your? That's head. why I shaved. I just my thought head. it was because hair doesn't grow there anymore. <laughs> God shaves the top. I shave the sides. Okay, that's the way that it works. So you can find me out there as Kessel Junkie, K E S S E L J U N K I E, wandering around the internet uh, using that username as much as I can. Uh, Letterbox. I have a lot of fun over there. Uh, and you can, of course, find me, as Matt said, appearing over on Aggressive Negotiations, a Star Wars podcast over on the Nerd Party Network, and also on the Nerd Party Network as one of the co-hosts of House Lights, where we look at the work of directors, whether it's their entire body of work or by decade or whatever other combinations we like. So that's where you can find me. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us. Avengers! Avengers!